Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I want to start tonight by reading 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 25. And it says this, Do you not know that in a race all runners run? but only one gets the prize. Run in, a, in, run, run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that won't last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever, throughout eternity. You know, I spent most of my childhood and teen years training for some sort of sport, training for swimming, for netball, dancing, t-ball, athletics, water polo, I was good at it, but I didn't love it. And the competitions and the races, that were stressful for me and they actually caused anxiety. Like I remember, when I, rem- when I think about those years, I actually remember just feeling a bit anxious. Um, but they were also a means to an end. I didn't grow up in a Christian family and I know that my dad loved me. I know that he loved me. But he was very busy. And my dad gave me his time at my sport, yeah? So during the week, he was busy, he was working, but I knew that come game day, come competition day, come race day, his eyes would be on me, his attention would be on me. And so as I went through these childhood teen years, my motive to do good and to fight hard, win the race, wasn't because I loved it. It was because they were the days and they were the moments where I had the fondest memories with my dad, where his eyes were on me and even more, I, you know, I knew that, he, looking back, I knew that he, I know that he loves me. But as a child, those were the moments where I, I felt and experienced having a dad who was outwardly proud of me and who outwardly would express his love for me. And that's possibly why they were so stressful for me. You know, I had a lot riding on them. They were crucial moments for me as a young girl to, to, ha- to be able to experience that, you know, having a dad who was proud of me. He was busy, but um, those were moments that I look back and I go, gosh, they, they were the moments where I felt, most felt his love. Recently, we were clearing out our garage and um, we pulled out a big folder that my mum had actually made and she put together all of my... Um, school photos, merit awards, um, sport awards from kindy to year 12, which was awesome. It was really fun to actually go through and show my kids and, you know, there was life. I had a childhood. I had teenage years. You know, it was really cool. Um, But I look back and, you know, throughout the folder, there weren't many academic awards at all because I wasn't very academic. Um, actually, the funny, one of the funny things that Luce laughed at was my year six teacher said on my merit award, thanks for making life interesting this year. I was like, I don't know how to take that. But there were lots of sport awards. There was junior athletics champion, junior swimming um, champion, senior swimming champion, senior athletics champion, water polo awards. I was good at sport, yeah? And I'm thankful for my mum for putting it together. Very thankful because it was fun to go through. But as I was looking back, you know, and looking and remembering all these years and all this time that was spent into, you know, the driving to all all the different trainings, the the anxiety, the the hard work that went into it, 
I look back and all I can think of is, what was it all for? Like, all I've got to show for it now is this folder with paper and metal and a distinct hate and dislike for exercise. (laughs) I've done my fish. Thank you. And for me, it's just a memory of how I was chasing my dad's attention and affection. And it's so true what Corinthians says there, the races we run here on earth are for a crown that doesn't last. Our world is full of people running different races, trying to prove themselves, trying to be approved by others, trying to achieve success. Like somehow our success will bring the attention and the contentment to our lives that we're all searching for. But it's all for a crown that doesn't last. Ecclesiastes 2 says that it's all meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. The only one who can bring our um, that can the only one that can bring um, true contentment and true satisfaction to our life is Jesus. We're all meant to run the race, but a lot of us are running the wrong race. And it's crazy how the enemy has taken people off course. And instead of running the race that God has purposefully designed for each and every one of us, we're running all of these races that actually mean nothing. Satan's given us a bum steer and he's taken us off course. Um, last year I learnt, well, last year I, um, I, love, I love helping, being parent help at the kids cross country. I love cheering for them. I'm a great cheerer. I'm a really great cheerer. I am not a great director. Because last year I was standing on a point where the kids were literally just meant to run past me. And somehow I thought that I was meant to direct them this way. And I directed them this way. I mean, they were were meant to go that way and I went that way. So I learned I'm very good, very good at helping at the cross country in a strictly cheering only position. Because I I led them the wrong way. And I had the sports teacher running up going, stop! God's designed a race for us. And even us who follow Jesus for a while, we can get distracted from the race that he has called us to run. And we start running different races, getting caught up with the world, what, what the world says is important. And God refers a few times in Scripture about this race that we're meant to run. And I used to read about it, and straight away, when I heard the word, or when I, when I read the word race, I actually would start getting the stress and anxiety that would come, you know, that I had when I was a kid running the races. Um, to me, a race meant I had to compare, I had to compete, I had to prove myself. It was an intense moment of comparison to find out if I was the best, if I was the strongest, or if I was the fastest. It was anxiety, like it it filled me with anxiety. And when I realised that I was having these stress responses to God's word, I realised that I had to actually look deeper into the meaning of what the race was that God was asking us to run. And I learnt... I've just done something to my notes. I've learned that actually the race that God is talking about is not the same as what I understood. It's not where we strive and stress and compare. It's not where we try and prove ourselves and try and be the fastest. Actually, the word for race, um, the Greek word for race um, is agona, which means a struggle or a contest. And it's not a struggle against anyone else. It's an individual struggle that we all have to navigate to hold on to our faith throughout the challenges and the hurdles of life. Hebrews 12.1 says, um, has another reference to this race that God wants us to run. 
And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. This race that's marked out for us, um, our race is not a one-size-fits-all. Your race is not the same as my race. It's unique to every one of us. And it's a struggle of perseverance to hold on to our faith, to remain faithful to Jesus through every season until eternity. It's a struggle to hold on to Jesus, to hold on to our faith so that we can step into and take hold of everything that he has called us and designed for us to step into. And God's preparing us that living life following him can sometimes be a struggle. It can sometimes be challenging and we need gumption, we need grit to actually fulfill what he's calling us to do. To win, we have to throw off everything that's going to hinder us, trip us up, slow us down. And I've realized that the biggest hindrance to me in this race, the thing that slows me down, trips me up the most is not external. It's not something that happens to me. It's something that happens in me. And it's actually my thinking. It's often the moments when God's asking me to rise up and step out of my comfort zone, trust him to take me to the next step of the race that my thinking's challenged, yeah? It's in my thinking that the biggest battles take place. And I have to choose, do I let fear wreak havoc or do I let faith lead? And as a church, I really believe like we are in a season where we're all stepping up. You know, for the kingdom, God is doing something in us and through us. We're taking new territory. It's exciting. But in order for us to step up and step out as a church, we individually all need to actually choose to step up and step out in what God has for us. What does that mean? It means, you know, in our personal lives, actually choosing to be willing to say yes to God. You know, when to maybe carry a little bit more in, his, in, in, in the house, in his church. You know, maybe say no to something else that's happening on the outside so that you can say yes to actually helping to build what God is doing here in church. Maybe it's actually, you know, surrendering something to God that you've been holding away from him because you're too scared to be vulnerable with him. Hmm, let me just have a drink. Talk amongst yourselves for a minute. As we step up, we need to be prepared that it is normal for fear, normal for self-doubt to start trying to run wild in our thoughts, in our mind. But we get to choose if we let them, yeah? We get to choose who's louder, God or ourselves, fear or faith. What's louder? This has been highlighted to me recently. The other week I was asked to do something that is way out of my comfort zone, way, way, way out of my comfort zone. And... Um, it is like, it's, it's way out of my comfort zone, <laughs> just letting you know. And uh, I know that God is giving me an opportunity to step out and to actually trust him and step further in the race that he has for me. Um, but it's scary. It's big for me. And I said, yes. I said, yep, sure. If you need me to do this, I'm, I'm there. But as soon as I said, yes, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm like, the, the, the thoughts just started coming, the doubt, the fear, the, the, all the insecurity just started to come. It's like, what if I stuff up? What if I let them down? What if I, what if I get lost? What if I, you know, what if I embarrass myself? What if, you know, isn't there someone else who can do a better job than me? There's surely other people that should be doing this rather than me. I don't have, I don't have what they need to do this. All the thoughts 
just started coming. I said yes, but then straight away it was like this massive wave of what am I, I can't do this, I can't do this. (laughs) Proverbs 23 verse 27 says, as a man thinks, so is he. If I'm thinking I can't do this, I can't do this. I want to ask you tonight, what do you think? What do you think? If you're thinking in agreement to God's word, the Bible says that we are transformed by changing our mind. We're renewed by renewing our mind. And I'm aware that I constantly need to renew my mind and believe what God says about me because at every opportunity, the enemy is shouting out lies to me. He's shouting, shouting out, you can't do this. You're not good enough for this. He's shouting out, you don't have what it takes to do that. He's shouting out, you failed before, you're going to fail again. He's shouting out who I'm not or who I am. He's shouting out lies. That's the point. (laughs) Even though if I don't know what the point is. No. But he's making me doubt God's ability to use me. He's making me doubt God's ability in me. And as I was battling these thoughts and wrapped up in my own opinion about myself, God reminded me of this scripture, Ephesians 2.10. And it says, for we are his workmanship, God's workmanship. Another another, um, Bible translation says his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love this. I often don't feel like God's masterpiece. I often don't feel like his workmanship. But feelings cannot lead our faith. To win this race, to win this race, truth needs to lead my faith. And the truth says that I am God's mastership, masterpiece. I am God's uh, workmanship. So even if I don't feel it or believe it, I need to start choosing to declare it over myself. If he made me and he prepared what he wants me to do in my life, then I can trust me that he's put in me everything that I need. And as I hold on to him, he will actually bring out what I need. If we're going to run this race and finish this race, we need to drop our unbelief. We need to drop our old self-talk, drop our self-doubt and start to run with faith, declaring God's word over our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, All things have become new. We need to understand that in Christ we are a new creation. So we need to let go of the old way of living, the old way of thinking, and start believing the truth of what God has for us. And that's living by faith, choosing to believe it, um, even when you don't feel it, even when you don't see it. Choosing to declare it over yourself, even before you actually can feel or see it. Walking with Jesus and living the life has for us, it's a journey of getting to know His voice. It's a journey of getting to know his word, reading his word, getting to know his promises, choosing to trust him in the little things. You know, when we trust him in the little things, then he gives us more. Choosing to follow him, choosing to say yes. Little yeses sometimes, big yeses other times along the way. And you know, our faith isn't a fixed state. Yeah, it's not a stagnant thing. It's not something that stays the same. Stagnant water becomes dirty water. Our faith shouldn't be stagnant. It should be forever growing and being strengthened. Um, When we first believe in Jesus, we don't instantly just have this incredible strong faith. It doesn't just happen the moment we open our hearts to him. Believing in Jesus and accepting him as our Lord, that's the start. It's the beginning. 
And while God loves us and accepts us for who we are and just where we are, he takes us on this beautiful journey of loving us and strengthening us and helping us to learn to trust him. Sometimes God prompts us to directly step up. You know, we feel it in our heart. We feel his Holy Spirit talking to us going, hey, you can do this. And sometimes he speaks through us through our leader or someone at church. And that might, that might sound like, hey, you know, next week at Connect, could you just share something that, of, what, of what God's been talking to you about? Or next week at Connect, could you pray for us? Or it could look like someone, one of the team at church going, hey, it'd be really great to have you join a serving team. It'd be so awesome. And to you, you might go, <gasps> but it's those little yeses of, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with that. In these little yes moments, when we choose to obey and trust him, that's when he manoeuvres us into the purpose and the calling that he has for us to do the good works that he's prepared for us in advance. And it's often in those moments when God's asking me to trust him and rise up into something new, which can be scary and out of my comfort zone, that my self-doubt starts rushing in. The old thinking, the old self-talk starts rearing its head, ugly head. And I start thinking, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. If I do this, I'm going to fail. Everyone's going to see what, who I really am. And God often gives us an opportunity to conquer and take a step, and another step into what he's called for us. But fear can wanna, cause us to want to run back to the past and run back to who we used to be. I want to encourage you, don't run back. When fear re- rears its ugly head, don't run back, run into God, run forward. You know, he wants us to give up. The enemy wants us to give up because he doesn't want us to take hold of everything that God has for us. He doesn't want the free, us to experience his freedom. He doesn't want us to experience his hope and his peace. You know, when I was um, in high school, I used to be so scared of public speaking, so scared of public speaking. My mum gave me this thing. I don't know if you've ever um, had it, but uh, what's it called? It's called Rescue Remedy. Have you ever had that? Okay, so it's like a herbal, uh, I was going to say drug, it's not. Herbal, um, like a dripping, like a drip, like it's, it's drops. And it's a herbal thing to help you with calm your nerves. So she gave it to me whenever I'd have speeches, but I'd literally like ingest the whole bottle. Like I'd drink the whole bottle. It made me re- feel really calm, but it also made me feel quite tipsy too. When I opened my heart to Jesus... <laughs> And let him take the lead of my life. I didn't suddenly wake up the next morning and go, oh, now I can talk to huge groups of people. No. God gave me step, little opportunity. I started to learn to learn his voice. I'd read his Bible. I started to grow confident in who, he, who I was in him. He gave me opportunities to just step out. Little step. Little step. And as I said yes to those little steps, he gave me more opportunities that the, the, the discomfort became less discomfortable. No, the uncomfortable became less uncomfortable. I'm not going to say I'm hugely comfortable right now. I'm stepping out. But what I'm saying is he just took me on this journey. And as I said, yes, my capacity began to grow. And I like what Leah said the other week, you know, where um, you said when God's asking us to do something that's uncomfortable, um, she's learned to say yes quickly because then, then the uncomfortable becomes comfortable quicker. It's very wise. But here's the thing. I haven't said yes every time. I've let fear get the better of me, you know, and here's what I've learned when fear, when I let fear um, lead me in those moments. Fear makes us sit down. Fear makes us become stagnant. Um, it makes me focus on me and on who I'm not rather than who God is. 
It makes me focus on myself and leads, leaves me ineffective to be able to help others. Fear causes me to miss the God-designed opportunities in my life. Fear fills me with shame and resentment, which can cause me to disqualify myself from the life that God has for me and takes me out of the race. You know, just like I said, I was sporty. I was not very academic. And uh, throughout high school, getting 55% was pretty good for me. Yeah, so you can imagine that coming into my HSC, I lived in New South Wales, coming into my HSC, which is my final exam, was very stressful to me because I'm thinking, I'm going to fail. And I had no purpose. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. And um, so I was like, I'm going to join the army. I literally came home from, one day from school and said, I'm joining the army because I knew you don't have to be smart to go to the army. You just had to be fit. I'm like, I can do that. So my parents, I legit sat around the table and my parents were like, you are not joining the army. And, um, and um, anyway, a couple of months before the exam, I started trying to study really hard. And I found this very questionable website that told me a lot of answers that I just studied. And I don't know if anyone else actually had access to that, but it was very handy for me. Um, but then I sat my exam and I ended up getting 85.15 in my final exam, which was huge. Yeah, thank you. Anyway... I then, um, I then, because I wasn't expecting to pass, so I didn't really have any plans, I went to university, um, Sydney University, and I just did social sciences because I was like, I don't know what I want to do. So I did that. I partied hard. I failed even harder. And I've told my story before where I failed everything. I had multiple boyfriends because I was searching, striving, trying to find that contentment, that satisfaction. Um, and I realised I'd stuffed my life so up so much, so mid-year... I went down to the snow and worked at the snow. Where I met my husband, he told me about Jesus. I gave my heart to Jesus. And um, I started this journey of learning how to listen to God, learning his voice, learning how to follow him, reading the Bible. And um, I came back and I felt really prompted to go and do um, a Bachelor of Education, go back to uni, do a Bachelor of edu Education. And this was something that I'd never been prompted to do before. I had no willingness to... I didn't want to be, I didn't know that I wanted to be around kids. I love my kids though, and I love children. Um, but I went back to uni and I knew that God was telling me to do this. I just felt really strongly he was asking me to do it. But I knew that I wasn't going to be a typical teacher in a, in a room. So I went back and in the olden days, um, to find out what mark you needed to get into a university course, you had to wait until the, near the end of the year, a newspaper would be dropped at your door and this was in Sydney, and there in the newspaper would be all the marks that you needed to get into the different um, courses at university. And I remember I was so nervous, I woke up and I heard the newspaper drop on the day that the marks were coming out, and I ran down, and the mark that I needed to get into university, the course that I felt God saying for me to do, was nothing other than 85.15, the exact mark that I had got in year 12. So I went into that and I was blown away because I had done nothing. I had just started to trust God. I just started to slowly say yes, yes to the little things, started to read my, read my Bible and get to know who he was. And as I started to say yes to him, he started maneuvering me in this beautiful journey. Now, throughout my um, university degree, I went from going 55% in high school was, was brilliant for me. I was getting high distinctions, distinctions, and I finished up my course being on the honour roll for my cohort, um, that, which was miraculous. 
Now, I'm not a primary school teacher, as I felt I wasn't going to be, but that degree, I don't know what else Scotty's going to do through that, but I know it has helped me lead the youth ministry here. It has helped me lead the kids' ministry here. It's helped me and equipped me as a mum. It has helped um, equip me as I homeschooled my kids for a couple of years. God's design and the way he manoeuvres us when we choose to trust him and say yes to him is incredible. It is incredible what he can do. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While I was still lost, running around Sydney, doing my own thing, messing up my life, God was there beautifully manoeuvring and creating a way for him to actually intervene and for him to then pluck me out of my mess and put me into the God-designed plan and purpose for my life, which I believe he's doing for many of you right now, if he hasn't already done that. The thing is, we just need to say yes. It wasn't, you know, now I believe it all just fell into my lap. I had to decide to turn away from my old life, turn away from what I had been, the way I'd been living and actually choose to now starting to say yes to God. And it's in those little yeses, you know, some little yeses, some big yeses. That's, they were all stepping stones for God taking me along and, and actually taking me along the path that He had for me. Saying yes to God is often challenging, often overwhelming, daunting, scary. And fear pops up often and can sometimes take us out. But in those rise up moments, in those, you know, personally and as a church, in our yes moments, that's when we need to choose to trust who He is and who He says we are. We are His workmanship, created in Jesus for a plan and purpose that He's designed for us. We need to make His voice loudest in our hearts, in our minds, not the world's, not our parents, not our teachers, not our friends, not ourselves, His voice, His voice. I love that um, Hebrews 12, 2 says, we run the race by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's how we run this race. You know, um, one of my favourite stories, actually a a picture might come up of me when I was eight. I don't know if I think they've got it. But one of my favourite memories as a child, this is me when I was eight. And this actually, I actually nearly cry every time I think about this picture because it actually brings back one of the most special moments to me as an eight-year-old. And I told you that my sport was um, very much motivated by me trying to get my dad's attention. Now this picture, you can keep it up. This picture is me and I had, um, I was eight years old, I was in year three and um, I had gotten into the New South Wales Championship Grand Grand Final for the 50 metre freestyle, right? I was in the last lane, I was not expected to do well. I was expected to come last. And I remember just going into that race going, okay, well, I'm not really, you know, I'll just do my best because I'm not gonna win. And as I'm, I was in the last lane, right? So I'm running, I'm not running, I'm swimming. Huh? I'm swimming here, right? Last lane. And my dad is right next to the pool, right here. And as I'm swimming, I start the race and I'm just like, okay, let's go, let's go. But then as I start, you know, further into my race, my dad is like running next to me and he's running next to me like this, right? 
And as I go further and further, his excitement starts to build. He's like, come on! And he's like, he gets starts to get really, really, really passionate and really excited and really animated. So I'm thinking, flip, flip. I'm, I'm doing well. So I start swimming harder and harder. And so I'm watching him. And every time I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, so he's like on the side of the pool, screaming for me, jumping up and down, cheering for me, much like I do. I get it from my dad. Cross country, I embarrass my kids. But I'm like, come on, you can do it. But this was me. And every time I saw my dad, I'm like, oh my gosh, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on your dad. I ended up coming third in a race that I was expected to come dead last. I came third because I fixed my eyes on my dad who was cheering for me. Now that was for, a, that was for a eight-year-old swimming race. <laughs> Means nothing. He was so excited. But our God in heaven, He loves you. He sees you. You don't have to earn or fight or run hard or succeed to get His attention, to have Him cheering for you like my dad did. It's in the little moments, the little moments of trust, the little moments of surrender, the little moments where you say yes to Him. And He's like, come on, yes! (laughs) Because the crown is not earthly. The crown that you are racing for is not earthly. It's not a piece of paper or a bit of metal that you're going to put in your garage and forget about one day. The crown that we are running for is eternal and it's not just your eternity. There are people on the other side of your yes to God. There are people on the other side. There are your children, their children, their children. If you don't have children, there are friends, their friends, their friends. And if you say yes to God in the small moments, You say yes to God in the small, insignificant things. On the other side of that yes, there's an eternity that is impacted. And I want to ask you tonight, whose voice is loudest in your head? Is it yours? Is it the world's? Is it your dad's? Saying, who are you? Can't do this. What have you got to give? I'm telling you, you don't have to give anything because Jesus gave it all on the cross. All you have to do is say yes. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.